Welcome to episode one of the Snafu Players series, and uh, tonight uh, we've got John Stentz, a local uh, top player in the area. He's going to talk with uh, Dale and Rick. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Enjoy. We'll catch you all later. Thanks. All right. Well, welcome. Uh, if you can't, well, nobody knows his voice because I don't think he's ever been on here, but that's John Stentz. We've talked about him a million times before. Too much. Yeah. He's here hey, in person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, John, for joining us. Uh, it's great to have you on here. This is awesome that you're going to be our guinea pig for what we will be doing several more times over the course of the year. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me on. I'm I'm really happy to join you. <laughs> All right. Well, John, we obviously know you from Bolt Action. You've been participating for a long time. How many years do you play Bolt Action at this point? I have played Bolt Action since 2015. So still version two, right? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, that was version one, right? <laughs> that was version one. Yes, it was. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, so you've been playing. You've been playing this game for a long time. Uh, but let's let's start with your background, as far as like other all, all your gaming background, because uh, one of the particular reasons why I, I requested to be on this is on this particular episode is because we have a long history together. Yes, uh, we Dale do. and I. Dale, all three of us actually have a pretty long history together. Yeah, it goes I, back quite a ways, doesn't it? I was going to say I think it was probably sixteen or seventeen the first time I met you. Uh, that was a long time ago, and you've probably been playing miniatures for a lot longer than that. Not yeah. to say that you're old. That's not saying you're old at all, because none of us are old, right? Not I'm old. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, feeling, so, I'm feeling old also, and and I don't. Uh, I have no idea what your age is, Rick. But um, well, I guess we can do the math. But uh, yeah. for me, I I got introduced to miniature wargaming in 2001. Okay. Um, you know mutual friend we all had jake brownlee was the guy who said hey look at this stuff aren't these orcs and goblins cool and i said yeah they are kind of cool <laughs> okay and uh okay. and then that was that was my first miniature war game was warhammer fantasy battles back in sixth edition of that game so i was to say sixth edition yeah. yeah okay well that's crazy because it's about exactly the same time i started i think we were introduced probably at almost exactly the same time except mine was chuck okay well so we were all, uh, we're all together. I was going to say, Jake and Chuck were good friends, so they were mm-hmm. our plastic crack dealers. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, I was going to say, of all the game systems, probably 6th edition Warhammer is probably, eh, is it the pinnacle? I don't know. 7th and 8th were pretty, kind of fun, too, but they were I think 8th is the pinnacle is, for me. You think 8th is? Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's I when I was winning too. all the tournaments, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense, then. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so we know your first first game system. Uh, when did you start going to tournaments at that point then? Because obviously you're a competitive player, and you know there's obviously a first tournament for everyone. Yeah. Um, so you guys probably remember that there is, or was, I guess I should say, a game store in the mall, air traffic. Oh, yeah. Something yeah. or another. <laughs> I don't know the rest of it, but air traffic. Um Kites and games, I think. Yeah. yeah. Juggling. There's not all sorts of fun stuff in there. All sorts right? of fun stuff, yeah. Yep, yep. And the location down South Metro, 
would run uh, tournaments. I think uh, I think Travis Allen was the guy running the store who was putting okay. on tournaments. And uh, I remember going down there with Paul Gonzowski. Hey, Paul. Um, <laughs> and playing down there. And so I think... I think the first tournament I went to, I got stomped, and then I think they were running them every couple months, and the second tournament I went to, like, all the stars aligned, because I was playing Orcs and Goblins, and I actually won that tournament, and that's, and that, the reason I know that, um, it was November of 2002 is I still have that really bad piece of paper that they gave me for winning (laughs) on my, you know, shelf as a... Here's where it all started, kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I have my one loan award sitting on a. Uh, I don't even know where it is anymore. It's in a box somewhere now, unfortunately. Uh, what was that one award, Rick? Oh, it's best sports at Lady of the Lake in there Duluth. That was all a fun right. one. Woo. Yeah, that was actually. I mean, we've went to that all together several times. That was a great tournament, though. I do I remember I, all of us all piled in uh, Dale's SUV driving up there? <laughs> yeah, ironically. I took that in for repair today, and that was, really, I'm, I'm trading it in and getting the truck. So, oh, nice! What truck are you getting? Uh, just a Silverado, probably. But okay. today was the the last day of of that SUV, so it's kind of like the it's kind of like the best second best day of owning a boat is the day you sell it. Cause yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, sometimes come, cars. Suck. We've come full circle, but yeah, we went up to Duluth for that um, yeah. for that tournament. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good time. That's, well, it's a great location. I don't know if the location itself was fun, but like going to Duluth is always fun in my opinion. Like it's pretty, it's, you know, it's definitely more built up now than it was when we went up there when we were younger, but yeah, yeah. 20 years ago ish, 19 years ago, ah, somewhere in there, whatever, 15 ish years, whatever it was. Back cool. in those days, the tournaments I looked forward to the most were the trip up to Duluth. Usually you know, previous, it was Robin Goodfellows and then yep, playing yep. up in the, the Sons of Norway Hall above their game store. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And then uh, the trip down to Lacrosse at River City Hobbies or whatever, various various locations that one was. Just just getting out of town with guys and yep. you know, just going for a day and having a day of it was just a great time. Winner winner yeah. lose. I hundred percent agree. That was I'm I mean, did you you went to the old North Stars before or no, was it North Star? Joe Rogers used Joe to put Rogers. on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Before it became Wapaka, he'd do the North Star, and then it so happens that maybe you ran something similar to that here. It, it so happened. <laughs> yes, he didn't <laughs> trademark that name, so we stole that. Still, son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but yes, makes, yeah, the, makes more and more sense here. Yes, Jade Co Hobbies was uh, that store out there. I remember that one. Gosh, yeah. we had some, stayed some night, drank way too much tequila. I remember there was like dancing on tables or something. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just just Johnny, though. It was all Johnny dancing on tables, because that seems about his there, MO. So th- There were so many things Johnny did that we, we probably can't, yeah. can't speak of. But it's, This is an um, R-rated, state of, R-rated podcast, and it still doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so I'm going to ask the next question, and I already know the answer to this, because you play a million games, but are there any other miniature game systems that you play right now? I can you probably list a thousand different games right now, I'm sure. Well yeah, but I mean, what what are you what's currently fun and exciting and getting play for you? Right. So for me right now I've got we'll call it top five games. So there you go. that's bolt, your place, yeah. Bolt action uh is one. Okay. The other four for me are Saga, 
So, you know, sort of historical, but a little a little bit off of the beaten path for the historical war games. Just, just Viking version, or do you like to dabble in the Age of Magic and the Arthur, whatever the other one is? Yeah, what's currently in favor with the Saga Crown? Well, it... <laughs> That depends a lot on who you ask, but I think Vikings are always in favor because most of us have a Viking army or one of sure. the ones in the age. Uh, we just sure. ran our our yearly Saga gaming picnic event at the park, and that was Age of Magic, which, guys, I love Age of Magic because you can get your old Warhammer models back out and yeah. use them again. I suppose so. Yeah, you got to put them on circle bases though, because no. I'm not going to break them no. off now that we just saw the recent announcement. I don't know. So. I mean, no. two more years, we might, we might, right. we might I, have the new Warhammer. So I know That's I saw true. that recent announcement. I was like, ooh. No, base basing is really loose in Saga. There's some general parameters, but squares, rounds. There's not a set base size for a lot of things, so you can do whatever you want to do. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So Saga um, Frostgrave is one of my favorites. Just and that's like an RPG-ish type, like a. Is it more campaign it more, style, like uh, campaign, Mordheim used to be? Yes, it's okay. it's like Mordheim used to be. Um, the rules are great; they're simple, they're streamlined, but but the game has a lot of RPG kind of depth to it. So it's okay. a, it's a war band based on a wizard. Uh, so you know, most of the games I'm playing these days, you'll you'll notice are like lower model counts than all the games from the the past, you know, from previous orc and goblin world. Right. Right. Exactly. And bolt actions got the highest model count of most of these games. Got to start playing some more vets there. Yeah. Your display board can be 12 inches by 12 inches, not three feet by 18 inches. Yes. Right. Exactly. And it's 45 minutes to play a game instead of two and a half hours. Well, is it really that short? Like saga feels like it's still kind of a long game when you play it. Saga, yeah, Saga's an hour and a half to two hours. You okay. know, most of the time we're we're drinking and in kibitzing, yeah. so we're not. It, it, we're not. It's in like a rush. whole whole second phase, like figuring out where to put your dice and shit. Though, like, it, I get all like gridlocked when I was playing that game. I was like, I don't know where I should put my dice. Yeah, I I got analysis paralysis too because I just I didn't know where the efficiencies were at. And I was still it, discovering it. So. Yeah, to be fair, we were pretty new when we played in that one tournament that we both played in. Which was <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was still fun, though. It was yeah. still a good time. I still had fun. Yeah, um, about an hour. Um, okay. I like. Been I've been in love with Dead Man's Hand for for years now, and I'm I'm finally happy that that game has gotten more traction here locally with people is, interested in Old West. Yeah, kind of. But it's yeah. it, but it's really Hollywood style Old West. You know, it's okay. If, okay. if you like Old West movies, like this game is, it's got. It's got all that. And that's usually about okay. an hour and a half game. Again, cool. about eight models. Uh, uh, Frostgrave's an Osprey game, is it not? That is correct. Yeah, okay. they published that. So it that. is related to similar to Warlord. Yeah. Some adjacent to. Yeah. Um, cool. And then rounding out my top five is Blood and Blunder there from Firelock yeah, Games. Okay. So a pirate game. So the only thing you're missing is a ninja game. Right. You're right. I got Vikings, Pirates, Cowboys, Wizards, <laughs> World, War World War II, no ninjas. Yeah. And World War II. Yeah. So just ninjas. <laughs> Get you into the samurai game. Right. 
I, I, I do have some models I, I bought, you know, so. So I, I think we all bought them and they're just sitting in a box at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I probably have frost grape models sitting in a box somewhere. So. I'm, well, I'm sure you could find some because right, you can use almost any fancy models for that, couldn't you? Anything pretty much works. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the beauty of the books that don't have models to that are associated with them. Although yeah. I, there are some, aren't there? Did they make some? I can't remember. I they have. I saw some really sweet like archers and shit that were like super cool looking. Yeah, uh, the official models come from. Is it Nick Erie or I'm, I'm, I may be getting the last name said wrong, but okay, um, they've released some plastic boxes for Frostgrave, and yeah, they're great. They're great, yeah, but cool. any, but so much stuff works for there. Yeah, right. Uh, that's that's cool. So when it comes down to it, then I mean that's on balance quite a few game systems that you're at least active in somewhat do you do you find as, as far as your approach goes do you find that you're just playing what looks cool what you enjoy or are you approaching it from a more competitive side or you know what what is kind of your approach to the hobby itself do you find yourself favoring hobby or competitive or is it more of a balance i think for me i like the theme of things. I like the story, the narrative. You know, some of these games, I like them because, you know, it, it comes back to my childhood of loving Old West movies or, you know, loving the thoughts of Vikings and pirates and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, th- I think a little bit of what draws me to any of these games and any of the factions I choose to play are just a little bit of just taking it back to being a kid. So, um, yeah, I like the, the theme of things in the narrative and the kind of more the modeling of designing, designing the force that I think is cool. Okay. Yeah, I uh, can, let's talk about that for a second because uh, the last tournament we were at, you brought an incredible army too. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk about that for a second? Because you brought a partisan army, unlike anyone I've ever seen before. Obviously, you don't see very many partisan armies, but that army looked freaking cool. Thank you. Like, what was what it told was the a story behind it? Yeah, it told a story for sure. But it was like there was a cricket team, and there were other like models I've never seen before. Like it looked like you'd been collecting them for ages. Yeah. Well, that- wait a minute. Actually, before before you get that far, why don't you talk about how it started? Did it start from an idea of you saw this model and thought that would be cool? I mean, did you start with a theme? Did you start with a model, or did you start with no one's running the partisan list and that sounds like fun? What can I do with it? I started with the theme of always being intrigued by the early war stuff. Okay. Just, you know, the later war vehicles, they're cool, they're sexy, but the early war stuff is so clunky and rivety and just <laughs> square and, you know, just... It's a little bit Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of... It, it the the more I've gamed, all of a sudden the more I'm attracted to kind of the the ugly stuff from early in the war, <laughs> um, and I always have been intrigued by the what if of the sea lion campaign, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and a couple of years ago, 
Paul Gonzowski and I, we visited southern England, so we saw a lot of the the territory of, you know, what if that had happened, and that was another thing that kind of got me going on. It would be fun to model a force um, that represented what would have happened maybe with Sea Lion. You know, <laughs> I... I I became aware of Warlord uh, producing models for Dad's Army. Yep. And um, I, tr- guys, I don't know if you've seen that show. I tried to watch it. Um, it just, <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it. It was just, it was, <laughs> that was too it. tough. That was too yeah. tough. That was, there's, uh, there's quite okay. a bit of uh, British television that I do enjoy, but it's certainly um, within my lifetime. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not trying to, if there's any listeners who uh, love that show, I'm not trying to offend it. Yeah, I just, I couldn't, couldn't, uh, I couldn't do that. So, um, so I set that aside and uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just Parsons have intrigued me for a while. Um, I built a force that was going to go live maybe two years ago, pre-COVID and all that, where mm-hmm. it was going to be Italian partisans. And so okay. models have been purchased. Display board had been partially built. I was just getting into 3D printing, so I was using that to customize it. And um, I don't know, just I, I put it on the back burner because other stuff came up. But mm-hmm. I've been collecting models for this particular English partisan force that I brought for, yeah, four or five years maybe it's it's you know yeah a little bit here a little bit there finding and sourcing cool models i uh throw a shout out to monty lumen for his help and helping find a lot of those because some of that um what it what that force is is going to morph into uh him and i at adepticon next year for a doubles force Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you, you say English, English partisans. Um, what what elements in the list or in the story in the theme of what you've built um, makes it an English partisan list? So, the, well, the concept is that this is the 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 citizen defense force. I know that's not what they technically call it, but let's just refer to it I guess is that you know it's um, when they're going to fight the Germans on the beaches and in the fields and all all the stuff Mm -hmm. that from the Churchill speech Um, and so I'm not really well versed on all of what goes on in the in the miniatures world with the very British Civil War stuff Mm -hmm. But thanks to that, there are tons of great models. Like you guys mentioned, the cricket team where they all have guns. And yeah, uh, okay. great. there's a bunch of models in there from Footsore uh, for their interwar and their British Civil War stuff. They got great models. Um, just tons of tons of manufacturers that we just found this here and that there. And, you know, I can't even tell you at this point where everything is from because it's been a little while since we bought them, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have, um, do you have a favorite unit or favorite modeling theme in 
the particular army that you put together that you want to share with everyone, or do you want to leave it leave it as a surprise for people to pick their own? <laughs> well, well, I mean, because there was a little bit of controversy oh, when you submitted the list. Oh, right, the right. Podcast. That. Well, it, was, it wasn't with the list; it was with maybe a particular model choice that was causing a bit of controversy. Yeah, so. you were you were putting the counts as um, yeah um, decision you, you, under yeah. Um, under stress. So, <laughs> so what's funny about that to me is that that's not even necessarily my favorite model. It's just, um, so. You know, part of what goes through my mind when I'm designing a force, so I've worked out the theme and set the parameters for myself on what it is, and then I'm putting, you know, units into it to figure out what am I going to bring. Because I do like a list that has competitive elements to it. I, you know, I don't want to... You're not playing the Italians? I... <laughs> Fair, maybe, right? maybe at some right. point. Maybe you want to give well, a good game. Maybe at some yeah. point, yeah. but you know, it's if you're going to show up for a competitive event, you should at least have some competitive elements in your list. You, um, yeah, you want to participate competitively, right? Hold on, I'm, I'm writing notes down here. Hold on, <laughs> bring competitive stuff. Bring good stuff. Yeah. Got it. Okay, okay. I'll remember to do that next time. Right. <laughs> so the the one. The one little weird thing in that particular list I built for that particular event was going, all right, anti-tank weapons, yeah. I threw a bazooka team in there that doesn't work at all for my theme, both Mm. on the timeline as well as I didn't even see any models available for it. And so, there just aren't a lot of bazookas laying around the cricket fields. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, in reality, that should be a piat, right? Like, it, at a minimum, it should be a piat. Right. But but we but we all know, guys, that piats yeah, are inferior I mean, to bazookas. 100%. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and back just, to the competitive selection. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And picking good choices. So I'm pretty sure there was uh, some whiskey involved and some, some thinking. And I was like, bazooka, boobzooka. Perfect. Let's go to the model box. All right. There's the uh, the, the ladies of the night. Uh, what's, oh, look. A couple of them are showing their wares, and uh, we'll we'll just add. We'll just throw some gasoline on that fire by uh, by putting a Catholic priest on the on the model with them. Check, check them out. I mean, giving them whatever talk they need to have. So right. yes, yeah, the sermon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so that's so that's where that model. <laughs> and I won't leave that all on Pat. I may have said maybe that was not going to be a good bazooka choice, but that was not just Pat. So just so you're aware, I'm not oh. going to throw him under the bus oh, on that one. it's fine. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not bothered at all. I mean, I got told no, I can't bring it um, for reasons that were completely valid. And I brought it anyways, and I checked with all my opponents, and they all said, that's fine. Play with it. So I did. Okay. So, Still there you go. Which, perfect. Which works fine. Yep. Yep. Circ- circumvented the TL. That that's sounds right. perfect. Yep. <laughs> works for me. Uh, well, I, and uh, again, it's just, um, you know, sometimes you, you have to make a choice, and I always appreciate um, the fun choices, and it's, you know. I didn't mind one way or the other, but I can understand we're trying to avoid confusion and things like that. But I, I kind of, I kind of yeah. really liked it. So. And and to Pat's defense, there were a fair number of new players he was worried about, so he wanted to make sure that you know things are less confusing, right? Which makes sense. Yeah, cool. It was all good. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you didn't say you couldn't bring the model. It just couldn't be a bazooka. So, like you said, you brought it anyway. It worked out. <laughs> so. It worked out for everyone. <laughs> All right. So you you started off with bolt action. Uh, probably it sounds like towards the end of, of version one when you kind of dipped in. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've we've already told everybody about your most recent tourney because because that was um, that was recently and we were there. Congratulations on your success in that tourney. Yeah. And as we've mentioned a little bit, we've we've sung John's praises enough, probably. So I don't <laughs> think um, if anyone's listened over over the years, I guess it's been years now. They're probably well aware of you. But um, upcoming tourneys, tourney, tournaments, is there anything that you're looking forward to in particular, or planning for, or already thinking about? You mentioned the Adepticon doubles tournament. So yes, in so 2022. Yeah. So Wait, let me give you the. FR. Let me give you the rundown on what's what's on my mind here. So, um, in a couple days is another local tournament. Um, I don't know if you guys are coming. I think Pat's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, put yep. On, put on by our friend Matt Peterson, and uh, I think he's got like fourteen players signed up. So that'll be a hoot. Yeah, I'm going to bring. Uh, I'm bringing regular Americans. Every it's so it's. I'm calling it a plain Jane American list because I don't think it's, I don't think it has the best stuff Americans have to offer. But mm-hmm. we'll, they got you know. dudes with rifles that can run, right? I have dudes with rifles. Everybody's got everything has regular status. I've, uh, okay. yeah. I've I've heard I've heard it said that regular Americans are no good, so I'm gonna try them out and see how they go. Okay. Yeah. I think you're gonna do just fine. I, I think I've, regular Americans are just fine. I've played one game with them and they they did just fine. So yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Oh, God, guys, I'm looking forward to Operation Snafu a ton. That event is, like, I do, I, do, I basically do two things on my calendar every year. I circle AdeptCon so my wife sees <laughs> where it's at on the calendar, and unless somebody is going to die, I am not missing that event. Sure. And then the second one is Operation Snafu. Nice. It's a great event. Yeah, that's cool. It's a great event. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the narrative. I love the team play. Uh, the crazy stuff with airstrikes coming in onto your table because somebody did something on a different table, and oh, it's just it's good stuff. Cool, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, that that was a new a new thing in the last Operation Snafu because we had some objective tables. One was an artillery, artillery setup, and then another one was an airfield. And if you controlled the airfield, then you could drop airstrikes on an allies table and same thing with the artillery. So that actually ended up, it was pretty chaotic, but everybody seemed to be, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I mean, it, it was interesting watching the teams try to decide if they could turn some, you know, some outcomes around because something suddenly became available. So, yeah, um, I was the benefactor of a timely <laughs> artillery strike. Coming in. It really, you it took, really out, s- it took out some Gurkhas or something. Oh right? my gosh, it did. It saved my bacon. I mean, <laughs> I, Josh Dunn, I've seen him like two or three times since, and I've heard about it like two or three times since. So, I remember, uh, I remember walking through. Hey, there's a was it an airstrike or artillery strike? You that know, was an artillery strike. Yeah, available. Yeah. You know, yeah. who oh, needs yeah. it? 
And and Stens, I remember, or John, I remember you looking up and kind of like, um, I'll take artillery strike. And no one else really, no one else really stepped up. And and yeah, I remember Josh coming over and talking to me about that afterwards. Like, <laughs> it's a story. It's a story forever, right? Yeah, because like he's been gunning for you. So yeah, yeah, good. That's I mean, that's what Operation Snafu is, right? Is you know, being able to tell stories afterwards and having a good time and being kind of yeah. zany, in my opinion, is you know always a fun thing about it. Yeah. being it's unique yeah and right? and it wouldn't be and it wouldn't um it wouldn't it wouldn't be um fair well not fair but it wouldn't be complete if we didn't at least me personally my approach to to the tournament and what we've done so my favorite tournament always coming through from a competitive standpoint was north star that was the one that i circled and that was when you were yeah. running it john oh, and you. so i mean it at um at its peak you know there were 80 80 plus players signing up and so yep. there's the, the tables were amazing you know the scenarios were great everything always ran so smoothly and so um you know and every year you were there were some new tables there something cool that was being done and i remember gonzalski paul gonzalski going "Ooh, i did this table and showing it off and so that was always this cool element to it so that when we put operations and food together we wanted to kind of pay homage to that and making sure that our tables were at least to the standard that that you put up because because when warhammer fantasy shit the bed everything splintered and i i missed you know super missed north star and wapak and stuff like that so you know when we were talking about it, it's like well why can't we do why can't we do something for the community and, and put something together mm-hmm. so hopefully everyone you know we've got quite a few people signed up this time and and it, it should be it should be a real hoot so we're excited Awesome. Yeah, we're excited. It's it's a good time. And you guys are doing a great job with your terrain. You're really putting out a nice product, so congrats to that. <laughs> yeah. Well that's that's Pat Dale and Jeff there, so you guys are they're rocking it. I have not touched a terrain piece of terrain yet. Well, I take that back. I have, but I've never gotten far enough to be a done. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, sometimes real life steps in. And... Yeah, as I say, as John may know, twins really kind of suck the life out of you for a while. John <laughs> seems to be a little bit more successful at being able to mitigate that than I have been. But well, Rick, I um, think I had a few less less of them than you did too. That, that that's, helps, that's fair. Helped me. That, that, yeah, yeah. The first two in front of it does does kind of hinder things a little bit too. For yeah. Sure. So, so John, when does it start getting easier with twins? Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh mine are are fourth graders now so it's it's there's different challenges but it's it's easier than it was when they were toddlers there you go fourth grade rick yeah sweet <laughs> so many years Circle ago that yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah so uh so as far as tournaments go so yeah we talked about kind of the fall is this local one then snafu and then there will be a some time off from tournaments until uh adeptcon comes around and i run i i i help run saga events at adepticon so i've got a commitment to those except uh we're going to make sure we attend the doubles tournament for bolt action um, nice. so okay so that's part of the plan there and then uh yeah the next thing on the calendar already for next year is Bug Eater again. I love going to Bug Eater. It's a fun time. Uh, so yep. I'm hoping yeah, to hit, hit that this year. So that's that's kind of the outlook. And I'm building a new army for Snafu, and I'm building a new army for uh, Bug Eater. So I'll have a few more a few more armies in the uh, closet 
if it all goes to plan. <laughs> you've got um, you've got WTC too. Don't forget. I I haven't forgotten. Okay. I, I, I feel like the world is still a little chaotic, and I'm I'm still not quite sure. You know how yeah. how how I want to get the hype train going on that because I you know that's you know how it went last that's year. Yeah. You don't want to get squashed again. Yeah, yeah sadly. Well, so right now, yeah, just don't exit off of the calendar. No, no, so. it's no, yeah, yeah, it's it's blocked out, but the hype we'll train see. is still at the station. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, that's a, that's a good place to be right now. It yeah. is. Uh, I haven't booked plane tickets yet because i don't think i can even book them yet but i was trying to the other day and i'm like oh i can't even book them yet never mind yeah i like, looked as well and i found the same problem that they were i couldn't yeah. book them yet i think they're not booking that far out just because they don't the airlines don't know what the hell's going on and they're kind of like don't want to keep giving refunds so yeah kind of makes sense yeah well let's let's play a little closer to time well, real time here we're still be disinvited from europe so you know <laughs> there's, there's yeah, that we still yeah, got there's, there's still quite a few months out so yeah yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of armies, you said you were going to put a couple more in your closet. Um, how many armies do you currently own? Because you own quite a few. I do. I wrote them down so I wouldn't I wouldn't miss any of them. Uh, <laughs> so I've got two different American armies. I've got one painted for North Africa and one painted for uh, Battle of the Bulge. I remember okay. the North African army. Yeah, okay. yeah cool. the Battle of the Bulge one hasn't been... Uh, re- so revealed so, yet? Okay. So like actual winter yeah. Americans or winter okay. Americans? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, those are my favorite models. Yeah. And then I've got two well, Operation Snafu. There's a bulge element there. So. I, yeah, I heard about that. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll but get to that one in a second. I think <laughs> I'm going to be on the Axis team for Snafu. So okay. I've got I've got uh, two German forces. One for sort of generic summer Germans. Uh, okay. they're, well, they're. They're anywhere from like forty three to forty four, and there's so uh, and there's some assault rifles. Uh, so okay. so later war, yeah, later okay. war just, Germans, yeah, just yep. hair infantry essentially. Yeah, okay. And then um, I've got Germans in winter gear for Battle of the Bulge. Those are the ones I'm getting ready for Snafu. All right. And then let's see, I've got two versions of British. I've got the summary. Uh, Northern Europe, British, and I've got... So my first army, very first bolt-action army, was the British, and I did them for the Italian campaign. So I just... I thought the camouflage they put on their vehicles with that sort of Mickey Mouse ears... Um, oh, sure. Black camo on the, the like, yellow-colored vehicles. I just like that. That's what drew me to, to picking them first. Um... So, so that'd, that'd be your oldest bolt action army. So that's my oldest one. I keep just oh, cool. I keep coming back to it. Like I'll I'll play it and then I'll play something else and I'll play it again. And I'll add some new stuff. I always like you know, I what I like is any event to add something new to my collection to give me some good reason to hobby. Okay. Yeah. So so then you you just kind of are always maybe going back a little bit and tinkering and changing and updating and. Yes. Do you ever do you ever find that you're like I'm done? This one's done? Uh no. Okay. No. <laughs> not not yet. Not yet at <laughs> least. Uh let's see what else I've got. So we talked about the partisans. Uh I've got fins. The fins are oh. the, the fins are probably the closest ones to being done because I haven't played them in a while and okay. I haven't 
come back and tinker with them and mm-hmm. I got some ideas on what I would add you know more and there's and, not there's not a lot of ways you can go with the fins yeah as I say yeah. fins are kind of pre-described for you unfortunately yeah, yeah. once you have I- enough infantry you're yeah you're pretty much done um, yeah let's see I've got Japanese and then I've got French in the coming out of blisters onto bases so okay. no paint just just starting assembly and then I, oh I guess okay. I didn't for Germans I guess I do have a third force I'm building because I was tinkering with the idea of uh, getting the DAC Germans cool. built so yeah. I was building some of them so you know just when you have that moment where you're like I'm in a hobby I don't know what I'm going to do I guess I'm going to build this <laughs> so sure. yeah, that's a good problem to have yeah like I got too many things to work on. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to work on next? And then a baby starts crying or something, so it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, and, like, and sometimes oh, it's answered for me. Like a little hobby palate cleanser can kind of, you know, for, yeah, hundred percent help refresh things a little bit. All right. Yeah. So, of all of those, do you do you kind of have um, a little favorite? You know, a little, you know, something that's the apple of your eye, or or you just whatever whatever you feel like at the moment. I, I would say usually whatever I'm playing at the moment is my favorite. Okay. Unless I'm playing Japanese. I don't, I don't actually really, I really don't like the Japanese <laughs> army. I, again, I don't, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I just, it doesn't, doesn't work for me. And like, and the same would go is why don't I, I have an SS. I do not have an SS German force for the same reasons. I just, I, I don't, I don't agree with that stuff, so I'm not gonna model and play sure. with them. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. But I do love that Italian British Army. I mean, it's like you know, it's it's, it's your first, so you you, you kind of I think fondly of it. And like I said, I come back to it and tinker with it, and then move away and come back. Okay. All right. Well, with with all of the different armies. Um, do you find that you've gravitated to a particular play style across most of them? Or do you try a fresh apo- uh, approach with each one, trying to keep with a particular theme? Or, I mean, are you constantly challenging yourself to be like, well, everyone says that regular Americans are shit, so I'm going to try them. I mean, what, where, where are you at as far as all that goes? Kind of a little bit all over. So... When I first started playing with the British, I built the the force. Maybe I don't. I guess I would call it all comers. Like I could play it defensively because I had plenty of high explosive weapons in it, and it could. So you could reach across the table. I could reach across the table, but I could sit and wait until the time was right to exploit whatever opportunity came up. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I have to repent. I had two units of Gurkhas in that list. Um, eight packs, though. Just eight packs. Um, <laughs> just eight of them. No big deal. Just eight. No big deal. Jesus. Hey, come on. Thematically appropriate to Italy. Just saying. <laughs> okay, all right. You, you, perfect. Yes. See, see, see what I did there? Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Backed, backed it up with fluff. It's all right. It's it. my yeah. gosh. It's the theme. <laughs> And I, and I fell into that one, guys. I didn't even realize how good Gurkhas could be until I'd already, like, built the army. Yeah. Like, I'm going to put these guys in with these cool well, knives, and then, holy cow, are they good. I mean, Gurkhas kick ass, and they're fun yeah. to say, and it's even spelled <laughs> cool. 
So, yeah. and the models so, were good. I mean, nah, the models are never good, were they? Well, I mean, it's better their than faces. Their faces are awful. Than generic plastic guy with rifle. So <laughs> fair, fair. I they're mean, new. Uh, they're different models. Sure, you know. So I, I definitely can kind of see where there's. It's not a trap, but yeah. No, they're 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 not the trap. They're they're just pure value. So yeah. So I found you know a play style that worked for me playing with the British Army, and then the next thing I built was the Finns, and I built them like British, the same sort of army selection, and I realized quickly, of course, this doesn't work for Finns, you know, (laughs) because... Yeah, not so much. Yeah, and so what I typically do when I'm building a new force is I look at the, the theme of what I'm trying to put together... I look at, well, what does that force inherently have? You know, you got to look at their national rules to see what advantages or disadvantages those rules give you that you're going to have in play every time you play this force, and then sure. decide, yeah, what am I including? Like, yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. So for me, I think America. I used to think Americans were a great like starter army for any new player, and and that's not necessarily that I'm saying that's not true. But I personally find that a bunch of the American rules are are shit. You know, I think moving and firing is great, but I, I personally never bring a veteran tank, so I can't use that rule for gyroscopes. And yeah, the I think. Yeah, and I think uh, air observers are shit, too. And so I'm like, well, I mean, last thing I need to do is yeah, roll two ones consistent. and blow up all my stuff. Yeah, they're not, they're yeah. not consistent enough to be um, a competitive choice. So. Yeah. No. They're, they're, yeah, they definitely are very random, for sure. It's the, the funny thing to me is, like, it's one thing to play British and get the free guy and... In version one, yeah. when you rolled yeah. a one and hit your own unit, well, at least you didn't pay points for that idiot who did that. But then yeah. <laughs> to pay 85 <laughs> points to have the plane come down on yourself smarts a little more. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and an artillery is just, just 100% more accurate, right? You can place it. You have more, way more control. It doesn't deviate per se, but like it's just a better choice overall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, But the – I mean – the move and fire rule is really good. Yeah. So super good rule. Yeah, it is a good rule. Yeah. So, and, so, and Americans have access to cool stuff like BARs and stuff like that that make them a unique army, in my opinion. You know, BARs are better than anything else um, outside, uh, even assault rifles. I forgot. They lost range. <laughs> Version two. Okay, cool. Uh, so you kind of already answered the play style. Um, I'm going to ask this question. I, I feel like you've kind of almost in a way shaped our meta here. Is that, I mean, is that incorrect to say? I mean, I feel like you were early enough in the, in bolt action that you probably had some well, help I, I, with it. I mean, I don't, it, it's interesting. And, and mostly we included this, um, this question to learn about other people's metas. Yeah. Um, and how it might differ from ours. So I think, I think to start with, um, John is a competitive player and someone who participates at high levels um, in the Midwest, at least, and maybe even beyond. Um, do you feel, how would you define the meta here 
where we play for bolt action? That is a tough question for me because honestly, guys, I never even think about what the meta is. Like, right. I just do what I want to do, and you know, hope that that works out when I show up at the table. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, so you don't feel like um, we see a common theme necessarily. Well, maybe that's not the right question. Do you feel like we there is a common theme that we see pretty often across? Like. Um, I don't know. I don't think we see many inexperienced lists ever. Yeah, not much. Not much twenty dice spam lists or anything like that. We, right. Um, so well, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, don't think because I because I bring in experienced lists. Like my partisans were mostly yeah, they were half. Yeah, they were half inexperienced. Maybe and, yeah, they were okay. more than half. So I played Japanese lists that are mostly inexperienced, and a lot of my British lists have some inexperienced in them. So. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Some of that is just, you know, in any given list, some of it is what's the role of that unit? Do I need to spend the points to make it more than inexperienced? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe maybe we do kind of have a mix across the board because we've got high order dice lists. We've got small order dice lists, veteran heavy lists. We've got, I guess it all depends upon the player. And yeah, I don't know that we have really a, a strict meta per se. I'm yeah, to think it's almost it's almost like well, in, in your case, John. I mean, you you'll build something to a tournament, and you try to go through and have something fresh each time. So um, you're certainly not held to any kind of meta per se, uh, because you are just building to a theme or a tournament. Um, and I I think that that might actually be our meta because that's reasonably common because Monty will come up with a a new list every year or so Um, Paul will do the same thing I'm usually building to a particular tournament myself but you know Jeff is turns out a new army every three months or something so maybe yeah I don't know we should probably talk to him about that and maybe slow down a little. <laughs> Same so, might have might have a problem. So maybe and maybe in in the subsequent interviews with the other folks that we'll be talking to, maybe we'll find that we're not necessarily unique in that regard either. That it's there isn't anything that's consistent necessarily. We've got a lot of new players now as well. So yes, you know, having spoken and worked with you guys both for quite some time, though, I think there's something to be said that you guys both truly do appreciate an all comers list. I think that's maybe, I think that maybe is where you guys both tend. Maybe that's where you guys lean. I don't know, but you guys definitely are pushing the, the all comers lists on me for tournament play. So I don't know about that. Yeah. I I, I just personally, I appreciate the flexibility, the tactical flexibility. Yeah. No. And for valid reasons, that's that I just think, I mean, and maybe it's just hard to define metas in, in bolt action, like we maybe would define metas in, you know, old Warhammer, you know. Right. I think it's it maybe was a little more defined in in other games than it is in bolt action well, because yeah. there's so much variance and change and like weird things you can do. Yeah, you there know. was there was the power, there was significant power creep um, yep. in the old Warhammer when that was running, right. and the new book would change the meta sometimes significantly. I mean, and, and occasionally a theme would arise depending on the edition. So like. Seventh edition was really, um, really good with cavalry, because mm-hmm. if you could wipe out that front rank 
before it attacks, oh, they yeah. can attack <laughs> back. And so cavalry was really strong. And then eighth edition with the horde, it kind of switched back to to cheap units of of, of infantry and, and things like mm-hmm. that. With with bolt action, I don't think we've seen power creep at all because <laughs> that's just not how how warlord does it. But I don't no. know. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be excited to see how this kind of unfolds farther as we as we talk to other people and and discuss their metas and and get their impression on that so that'll be a that'll yeah be a fun thing i mean watch. from just from just thinking of odd oddball things there just from a standpoint of like the, the the defining factor of that is like there's there's wounds and there's pins in bolt action which is kind of helps like okay so i'm bringing a death star well in bolt action that doesn't necessarily work right. i'm gonna pin the shit out of it and it's never gonna do anything anyway so you basically have neutralized it without even killing it which i think is you know kind of part of the beauty of this game yeah yeah, I'm cool. I'm flirting around with an MSU, multiple multiple small unit army list. I I think I that just seems fun to me at some point. I thought I think I might have to find a way to make that happen. Anyways, that's for yeah, the regular podcast. Story. That's not for this. So yeah. Other than that, we like talking to John. <laughs> <laughs> I so I was gonna kind kind of interject that I think yeah absolutely I think yeah. where you get the power creep is in some of the theater selectors. Um, like for me personally, I don't have a preference to play a theater selector versus to play just a reinforced platoon. Um, okay. Like, I whatever whatever this mentality is is how I've been for for quite a, a while in my bolt action career to feel pretty firm that a single platoon, single reinforced platoon was a pretty fair way for a tournament to run, you know, what it allows. Uh, yeah. And that being said, I, I have no problem going to tournaments that allow, you know, everything from something real strict plus like with the dice cap on top of it to tournaments where you get this many points and that's it. Everything else is cool. And, right. you know, when, when you do that, some asshole is going to bring the uh, Ford, you know, naval observer like like I did to uh, oh, to bug eater. Ford naval observer. Oh yeah, guys, that thing Ford is, naval. It is ridiculous. Oh, it is. It is naval observer is terrible. It is Dude. so awful. Like I I fully support events that say if they say everything except that completely ex- completely acceptable. <laughs> that that guy yeah. is ridiculous. Um, is that is that in a particular theater selector you have yeah. to take well, to get that many observers? He comes out of the um, one of the over the D Day books. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, the naval ones in there, but I didn't know if there was a theater selector that gave you the four having four of them. Oh no, I'm not saying there's four of them. I'm sorry, oh. I'm just saying there's one. One of them is plenty. Yeah. One, yeah, I was like, yeah. holy shit! I'm like four. I thought you said yeah. four of them. I'm like, oh my god, no, one of them is plenty. Like, that sounds awful. And so you know, I'm just. So some events allow anything to go, and well, you know, I mean, there is that and saying about bringing a gun to a gunfight, right? You know, yeah, don't want to show right. up with a th- unarmed to no, that, and, right? But in I, most I cases, think, like, oh, go ahead. Dan. Yeah, I was just, I think, I think Bug Eater is kind of that tournament too, because that was the one where where Jeff took the four uh, multi launchers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. Yep, and so it's just like. You know what? I'd like to try this thing once, <laughs> so we'll do it here and let's see how it goes. And and so. you know, as long as everybody 
has the mentality that this is going to be kind of crazy, you know, there's going to be weird stuff, then yeah. I think we can all still have fun with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just managing expectations yeah. at that point. I, sorry. Yeah. And I got a little on the tangent there with the foreign naval observer. What I was going to, what I, my point really was to say with theater selectors that allow multiple choices of certain things is where it seems like in this game, like in a lot of games where you start to have whatever item that is pretty good and then you have two of them or three of them, then mm-hmm. your advantage starts to increase. It starts skewing pretty yeah, hard. You're, you're skewing the meta. Yeah. yeah. Even though we've tried to figure out what the meta is, but yeah, no, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, again, it's, it, efficiency of choice and yep. so um if you're able to replicate those really efficient choices then that starts having an outsized effect yes and so the theater selectors certainly do lend themselves to that sometimes and that's probably why mm-hmm. warlord finally just kind of said yeah theater selectors might not be great for competitive tournament play but i mean that, that is what it is so mm-hmm. right cool um as you notice i say um a lot I don't know why I say um a lot at this point tonight. Other than I'm getting tired. Um, <laughs> when you are st- when you're getting ready for a tournament, how do you prepare? Like, do you just? I mean, I imagine at this point you just show up. You like you make a list and you show up, right? But are you not any planning ahead? Or? He walks in and just wins. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just hand you your trophy and you walk out. All right, thanks guys. Oh gosh. Um, I yeah. So walk us through your tournament prep. Let's see if it, what. If there's anything super special, or you know, I I think you're gifted gonna be disappointed. I don't I don't think it's it's that special. I mean, the the problem I ultimately have is a lack of time to right. prepare a lot. So some some events, I'm lucky if I've even played the army once. I mean, I walked into the event with the partisans, having never played that force. Um, Jeez, just. The paint, the paint was still, still fresh on the display board. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I guess I could say I, I, I do a fair bit of like visualizing, like, okay, you know, let's, if you know the scenarios ahead of time, thinking, all right, so if, if I'm the attacker in this scenario and the board looks like whatever, you know, where am I going to put the the units down to? to do something I want them to do because sure. I mean, you guys have touched on it in your podcast and it's common knowledge that you, you can lose the game in deployment because you just, yeah. you screwed yeah. it up. Um, so just thinking about mostly where am I going to put stuff? How is stuff going to support, you know, where are the synergies in the list? Where do I think things support? And it's, it's mostly just, I don't know, math hammer, I guess. Sure. Um, okay. <laughs> And then just try to try to get there, and by the third game, try to you know have enough hydration in order to <laughs> keep keep the synapses firing correctly to keep doing it. Just, just pure stamina at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah as I say, I think we were all out of practice this last tournament because I was like, I feel like shit. I'm like, I'm ready to go take a nap. I couldn't stand anymore. Felt bad standing or not standing, but it, it's just out of practice. I haven't played in the tournament for quite some time. Yeah. Exhausting. I think I think what ha- helps me, is, and I'm not saying I'm in 
better shape than anybody else because I'm not, but I just, I get that like adrenaline flowing when stuff is going well. And I think that just sure. helps me power through. Sure. Okay. That, that definitely helps. Yeah. When I can't roll a six with my Panzerwerfer, I, my adrenaline kind of doesn't, <laughs> gets, gets, a, gets a little limpy. It doesn't actually work so much. <laughs> it's like, uh, you might have to take the Panzerwerfer out of your list. Oh, dude, it's gone. It's I'm like I'm pretty sure the Panzerwerfer is gone because there there are going to be games where it misses the whole time, and I'd hate for you yeah, to be like I, fixated on that. And then miss that's a, that's the, the problem with, and I recognize that as like it's definitely a feast or famine tool. It, like it is right. I I mean, my first game at that tournament, the guy didn't even the guy my opponent the first game didn't even know what it did and just didn't give a shit and didn't do anything. He's just like man, eh, whatever. Like I'm like okay, it had no psychological effect. It didn't do anything the whole game. Thank you very much. Like you know, <laughs> it just feels like at least it would make him scared, but no, it didn't even do shit that. That's, so that's <laughs> so following up on that, yeah. then John, when we when you when you start thinking about a theme and fleshing out your list, um, do you do you like to have, let's say, so you know you have specific objectives or tactics in mind, and when you put a, a unit in the list, is there a plan as to okay, this is the role that this unit and maybe this other unit working together is going to fulfill? I mean, is there a checklist that you kind of go through, or something that is there approach where, you know, you might have a plan for the list as you're building it before you even approach the scenario? I don't think I'm that specific. I, okay. I think I, I've got well, kind of the formula. Like, so it. I always like. Okay, what's your formula? Here, here's how. I, here's how I start building a list. Add the medium mortar. Okay, that's okay. in there. A um, uh, spotter or no? Oh, always a spotter. Okay. Well, okay. So it depends. I I have I have played lists where I was tight on points due to other things I wanted to take mm-hmm. and I decided to knock it down to inexperienced and spotter came out. Yeah. Um, but I do love a mortar and I usually love a medium howitzer as well. If the mm-hmm. army has it and then spotters on both of them. Um, I'm typically trying to put at least 12 order dice in that list at, at how many points? A uh, thousand points. Okay. So that gets tough with, you know, certain lists or certain, you know, I, I, I personally shy away from the tank. I, I used to, I've got so many tanks sitting on my display shelf, not, not actually getting played with because <laughs> I shy away from tanks. I, I think. Not enough efficiency. Not enough efficiency. But guys, I'm going to tell you, I've got a panther in my list for snafu. What? Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we kind of, we kind of push people we, down that path yeah we do more points for sure and we make it so it's possible things. Yeah. yeah just saying yeah. i got a panther that, that might sound nice. have we done list submissions for snafu yeah i don't think so so that maybe we'll see some shifting around on that we'll have to see what happens but yeah okay. maybe don't bring a panther that'll down. be a surprise no oh, no do it i think that's panther. Oh, I, I i don't care what i don't care what <laughs> people know it's it's no secret so, um cool. um uh, before you before you keep going then um order dice uh, twelve. You're, you're shooting for twelve at at a thousand points. Um, how many dice? At what point do you feel like that's too few? Where it's like, no, that's I've got to move away from that. Or do you do you um, do you not make that consideration necessarily? I mean, for folks that might be listening, well, I've got nine dice, and John says I'm shooting for twelve. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think nine's too few. 
Okay. Um, I th- <laughs> ten is ten okay? Ten, ten. If I have twelve, ten's okay. But if I have fourteen, ten's not okay. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, you're comparing it to your opponent. Sure. Yeah. I find that in competitive situations, the mechanic of the dice pull, especially in those critical rounds, turns like turn three, turn four, where you you and me both need that first die to come out of that bag. And if we started yeah. with a four point differential, and even if we're still at that four dice differential, you know, you, you know what the odds are. It could be a real yeah. swing. Yeah. yeah. So you take an intelligence officer. <laughs> um, other than for, other than for Snafu, it never crosses my mind to take right, an intelligence right, yeah, officer. Right, exactly. No, yeah, because you can't take anything yeah. else. But we 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 allow you to bring in. Yeah. Because because it it adds some flavor. It yeah. It, you're highly encouraged, as I understand. Yes, yeah. for sure. As far as um, as list design, when when we talk about the breakdown, and this might be a general bolt action question for you and your thoughts on that, when you're looking at inexperienced versus regular versus veteran, um, do you feel like one choice is almost always better, or is it more situational, or is it more an approach to the list build design or something like that? Because we have we have some listeners that are little swear by inexperienced for everything, and some that will be veteran are the way to go. Yeah. Or do you feel like it's generally the points cost is is good no matter where you're at with which level you select? I I think it is kind of that where you, okay. you're you're getting what you pay for, so to speak, right? right. And then, sure. like for me, say say I'm putting Gurkhas in the list, okay? Well, they're coming at veteran. It's there's no yeah. there's no option. So sometimes it is just. I'm going to put commandos in. They're a veteran. I'm going to put some paratroopers in. They're a veteran. You know, they just are what they are. But for right. regular troopers, when you have that option of regular or a veteran upgrade, personally, I usually go regular. I Interesting. I don't know. I well, if I feel like that, I, that, I, that 12 order dies at 1,000 points, then... Yeah, regular's kind of the yeah, way you're going to have to go. It yeah. feels like that's a good choice. Yeah. Let, let me ask you another question since you've got some pretty good insights here. Uh, how What's your minimum unit size for each of those? Inexperienced unit, how, how many guys do you, bare minimum, that you would ever take in an inexperienced squad? Eight. Eight? Wow, eight. That's pretty low. Wow. That's yeah. pretty I'd expect cheap, more for ex- that's not, that's yeah, it's, It is a cheap dice for sure. Yeah. And for regulars, is it all eight for all of them? I Well, I do typically like to bring full squads. If, okay. If, you know, so like when I'm putting my list on I use the easy army to build my list and uh yep. you know so those those first two uh your lieutenant and then your first two infantry selections those are always full squads and then oh interesting subsequent squads maybe I'll I'll take off a couple guys um depending on what they are but mm-hmm. sure yeah and and some of it too like you know I, I joked earlier about saying well the Gurkhas are only 8 Part of the reason they were eight was also because the trucks I wanted them to ride in only carried eight. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the other choices that you make sometimes with the synergies sometimes will dictate kind of what the rest right. of your, life, your list can look like. So, what about what about transports? Do you like transports? Do you like flanking, or do you just find it it's just a tool in the box that you could pull out depending upon the theme and and maybe what you're looking to do? 
I I love transports. Okay. I, uh, I I've heard uh, Dale. I, I think you have a, a different opinion, but uh, I do, I and do. that's fair. <laughs> I, I respect it. Um, but I just love transports. He might also he might also be playing a very different list, right? His Soviet list is very different from lots of other lists. I so yeah. I, well, I agree with that. I just find there, there's for me there's a couple things I like about transports. Okay. I typically like a transport that's wheeled because I like the speed that wheels give you. Yep. Yep. Uh, the maneuverability with the extra turn. Yep. I like a transport that carries a machine gun. So it's a yeah, gun platform as well. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. That's, yeah. that's like some of the best 15 points you can spend. Yeah. I, I think I think that is exactly right. That is the best 15 points I can spend. So, again, when I'm building lists, you know, and I'm starting and I'm putting a transport on there and I'm putting a machine gun on it right away, and then I'm thinking about, well, what can ride in this transport? Um, I built a lot of lists with the... Um, the white scout car. I love the white scout car. Um, yeah, I've got three of them. <laughs> v- nice. Various camo fla- camo schemes. Um, nice. Just because it, that well, that particular transport being armored on top of you know being wheeled and having potentially three machine guns on it, um, <laughs> it's just a great way to roll something. It, it can carry eight. So I've. I've carried around engineers. I've carried around commandos. I've carried around just veteran guys. Just I'm like, all right, I'm going to bring eight veterans with some. Some have some machine guns, and they're going to roll up. Inexperience with pistols. So yes, (laughs) sometimes that. Not too many lists would allow you to have guys with pistols. Yeah, right. All right. Well, then, I mean, with with um, with with your approach to transports, is that is that another choice where? more than one is the way to go or is one enough or do you find yourself if you're taking one you're more careful with it or or do you have some synergies there as far as as more than one transport is concerned i have built it both ways okay where i've had one and i've had more than one uh, the german list i'm building right now has got three which is Ooh. more more than i've ever brought but um, you know the synergies as I see them with the Germans as well. It's 15 points for that truck machine gun, but that's one extra shot thanks to the rule. Yep. Yep. So yep. we're gonna try that out. Um, yeah. I like the flexibility of you know potential outflanking or maybe not, or what sides it on. Are they on both on the same side, or are they one on each side? You know. As far as as far as the pressure that it puts on on the on the player that you're facing. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of nice when you have a gun on there because it kind of almost almost can support the unit that's going to pop out in five seconds. Yes. Which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing scarier than when a truck I've shows up with a bunch of in it, though. So. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. All right, so is there anything, anything other insights that, that, um, that, you, that you have... Um, in the in the back pocket that you'd be willing to share, as far as you know, maybe your your playstyle approach or what you're thinking about with your list design or general advice that you can give to new and old players alike, like like Rick and I. Well, one other thing I would put in my categories of things I really like um, 
that have been really successful for me is I like a armored, fully armored, maybe not even necessarily fully armored. I, I don't worry as much about open-topped as I think other people do. Um, mm-hmm. But if you can get in your list fully armored, maybe armor 8 or armor 7 or 8, howitzer, tank. God, I love those things. Yeah, like, I've seen those <laughs> in, in your last couple of lists. I've, they, I've, they seem to... I've done them with the British with their, um, you know, I guess I've brought a centaur. I've brought, um, trying to think, what they have a... A Cromwell there's, that's got I mean, a close support. Priest, but that's an eight, so. Yeah. Um, your Japanese list had. Japanese. Had, um, I've got one. one. Yeah. yeah. The, fin, the, the Finns have, yeah. yeah. You rolled one in with your partisans. So. Yeah. And you said before you like big boxy things because they tend to be big boxy things too. Yeah. They do. Tend to, they tend to be uglier tanks yeah, and, by far. And, <laughs> and typically I would shy, personally, I would shy away from open-topped. But you mm-hmm. just rolled it onto the edge, and and you effectively spaced me out to the point where I, I couldn't even necessarily get close enough because you were putting enough pressure on me to even shoot at it with rifles to put pins on it. And so you effectively, yeah. even though it was open-topped, you were able to effectively protect it from taking any additional pins because of how you were playing the rest of your list, which totally. I was really impressed by. So Right. But if I mean, it, that extra turn of shooting is nice, too. If it's not... Because right, you can roll it on turn one. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Rick. Sorry to talk about it. Oh, you're good. You're good. Um, nope. I was going to say, you know, the example in my mind is that Finnish BT-42. Being a closed-top vehicle, that thing, you can just roll right up to support your guys. And I don't know. It's, it's just such an effective thing to have a three-inch template weapon that, yeah. you know... I, guys, I love the drama of the question. Are you staying up or going down? <laughs> as you're like, as you have that die in your hand, you know. I've, I, this this one goes out to the Chicago Dice guys, if any of them are listening. I, I have that one Chicago Dice die that they gave me that I love using against them when I play them that just inevitably rolls a six when uh, nice. when it needs to. So Nice. But, yeah, you're just like, are you going up or going staying down? And usually the answer is, oh, I know what I should do, but I'm going to do something stupid. And that's like the kiss of death. Yeah. Like, oh, I just hit all of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And they all died. Yeah. And they do. On the three and <laughs> I've been there, done that, for sure. Yeah, right. All right. So then we'll, we'll have <laughs> a little bit of fun um, with this next little bit here. Um, yeah. And, and because of your approach, John, I don't know if, if – um, but there's necessarily going to be a whole lot of differentiating. But we've asked John to rank order the armies of bolt action in a tier list, S tier, A tier, B tier, and C tier. And so, um, again, part of this just to kind of get John's insights and then with everyone else that we're going to have on in this series, um, just to kind of get a little bit of, have a little bit of fun with the guys to see, to see with their own experience what they think. So, um, John, what do you what do you think? Um, do you have any any armies in the S tier? Does S comes to does S stand for sucks or super? Super, super. Okay. It's higher than A tier. It's the top tier. It's the top tier. top tier. Yep. All right. Uh, yes, in my opinion, the top tier armies are Japanese and British. And just a quick little blurb as to why they're in the S tier. 
I I think for British it's because they have great army rules. They get uh, that free artillery guy, and they have a huge diversity. Being in being in the war the entire length of it, such a diversity of units. So you know they got lots of good stuff in there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually that's actually a good point. You can like Gurkhas. Yeah, you can yeah, really like do a lot of different things with the British, which is yeah, which is mm-hmm. great. And they do it pretty. They do pretty much everything really well. The, yeah, they don't suck. That's for sure. Japanese uh, for me, I think they they've got the best rule in my opinion. I think the bonsai rule is the best of all the rules. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just too. It's too point efficient for sure. And, yeah. and combined with fanatic, it's just yeah right. So, yep. All right. Yes, I, I think of the fanatic. I think of them together. Yeah, because I'm thinking the fanatic is the one that gives is the one that gives you all the value. Yeah, but I think they also inadvertently avoid the tank trap. So they they actually very effectively do yeah. because they have super cheap anti tank that you can bring in a fairly large amount of them, right? Because you can bring yep. two of them or three uh, of them. Three for a single selection. Yes, that makes it pretty good. Okay. All right, cool. John. What do you got in your A tier? Definitely Norwegians. <laughs> Does that mean the ass tier then? Like, it... oh, I'm sorry. It should have been the B tier for Bofors. More Bofors. Um, <laughs> I would say an A tier. Um, I think Americans. Um, I think Finns. I I think. All right. So here's my blurb on Finns. I think Finns have amazing uh, infantry. I think mm-hmm. they. I think. Their special rules in their army are great. I think usually what hamstrings them is uh, scenarios that don't that you know they take away outflanking or things. So so that's sure that's one thing. But you know having yeah. infantry that levels up when they lose some of them, sweet. That's yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I th- I think the biggest drawback for most people from Finns is they can't find freaking models for it. Yeah, it's a little tricky. It's tricky. I was I wasn't considering at all whether you can or can't find a force to actually field. <laughs> that's that's okay. That wasn't necessarily. Yeah, that isn't what we asked for. Yeah, sure. but this definitely stopped me. I'm like, I built a couple of finless, and I'm like, oh, I can't find models for any of this. Never mind. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> any any other any other armies? I in the no. A-tier. I think that's what I got for A tier. Really? Soviets below A. Wow. Interesting. See, I, was, I was figuking Soviets would have popped in here somewhere. I, I all right, so, all right yeah. I'm excited. Okay. What's at the B tier then? Soviets. <laughs> Soviets. <laughs> Saw that coming. Okay, so why why not A tier or even S tier for Soviets? Um, you know, honestly, because I forgot about Soviets. So can we go? Can we do? Can we have a do over? Can I put them in the A tier? Um, it's totally, okay. I put them yeah, in the A-tier. I totally forgot about Soviets. Um, <laughs> the, the, this part I didn't prepare very well. This this no, that's is on fine. Pat. He didn't tell me what what this all meant. Um, it's okay. But yeah, I would I would put Soviets in the A tier because for the same similar reasons to like British, tons of flexibility, pretty good rules, uh, lots of different units. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. lots of really points efficient units. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right then. B tier, uh, I would got yeah. I would put Germans in there. Um, I I. I think that Germans have, ta- I mean, gosh, 
could they have more different vehicles and things? I think yeah, no they're kidding. super cool. <laughs> I think right. you know most of them are pointed probably incorrectly as a lot of the big tanks I think probably are. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the coolest, most iconic vehicles are just hard to put on the board and not be like my 400 point tank didn't do anything. You know, I should bring four units of infantry that'll actually do something. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see what else. Anything else in the B tier? Yeah, I think I think French go in the B tier. I think partisans go in the B tier. Do you separate early French, early war French from late war, or just? I do. I consider okay. late war French to be Americans. Okay, and that's as as most that's do. appropriate. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I I feel like the the poles need to be on the B tier. I think. I'm not. They got the Lancers. Yeah, I mean, they don't. They don't have the biggest issue, in my opinion, with the minor nations is they just don't. They have lack of imagination for their army rules. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like they have they have Polish Lancers, but they don't have much beyond Polish Lancer Polish Lancers. Right, and like if you think about the Chinese list, I mean, they had some kind of cool rules, but they just did one thing really well, effectively. Well, no, I guess their cavalry was pretty good too, depending. But okay. Yeah, I'd probably put Chinese in the B. I didn't. I I didn't even think about Chinese. Um, like I put Aust- I I I guess I didn't mention that I I have an Australian force too that I've been putting together. I forgot about them. Um, mm-hmm. And I like I I'm I'm intrigued by the Australians, but they're but they're kind of like British light because yeah they sort of use their rules, but but yeah. not really. I, I, I'm intrigued by the Australians too. I, I always kind of look at their rules a little bit and be like, "Oh man!" Plus, I kind of like the idea of Australians. They're like irreverent British. So, yeah, and they have cool hats. Like, they and do. They do. I just think the modeling choices with dudes who are just you know totally well, either they're ripped or they're emaciated, depending on <laughs> <laughs> which models you you chose. Yeah. Whether, whether you can highlight all those six packs on them, but um, yeah, I just think that the models are cool, and that was one thing that got me going to starting to collect them is cool models and ah, chindit models. I love those guys and yeah. like subbing them in for Australians and good yeah. rules too. Yeah. Yep. All right, and anything on the C tier, or I guess the rest of it would then. I guess the rest of it, you know, the poor nations like the, you know. Belgium, Norway, Italy. Italy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Italy's a shame. Mm. I think I think they could do a lot with Italy other than what they have done. And they have yeah. such cool models. I wish they would. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. But we'll we'll get to that here in a little bit potentially as well. <laughs> yeah. So then you know, jumping back into the rules a little bit. Do you have do you have a favorite rule or um what you think is the best rule for bolt action, or what maybe sets it apart, and then the flip side of that being, this this rule exists in bolt action and it shouldn't because it's terrible. <laughs> um. Or so. Let me let me get clarification. Are we talking national characteristic rules, or are we just talking rules in general? Um. I'll let you decide which way you want to go with that. But anything's on the table. You can pick anything you yeah. want. Okay. Um. Well, we'll see. If I was going to say 
best national characteristic rule? I mean, I, I said bonsai before. I would yeah. go with that again. Mm-hmm. Um, my least favorite rules. What are, trying to read my own damn handwriting on my sheet. Can't do it. Fail. <laughs> it's like you think you're a doctor or something. I okay. Um, I think the transport rules are like mounting back up and stuff. I think they're oh, they're they're not good. It's awful. Could be better. Okay. No. All it's right. horrible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, in your humble opinion, do you think it's time for version three? What do you think of that? Yeah, sure. I I I don't mind new versions of games. I mean. Mm-hmm. As long as Games Workshop's not writing the rules um, and, you know, completely changing it. I What I liked about version 2 of Bolt Action was that it felt like a thoughtful approach to making version 1 better. Yeah. And, and it's not perfect, you know. My, my com- one complaint would be that I think, in general other than machine guns mounted on vehicles, that machine gun rules, whether it's squad machine guns or machine gun, you know, like three men teams, like mm-hmm. they're just, yep. they're not good. They're, they're, they're really points inefficient, which not everything has mm-hmm. to be points inefficient, but you know, I, I drew a line and said, if I'm bringing one of those, God, I'm being, like super fluffy i need to be patted on the back for bringing it you know um but it's a shame because i i feel i feel bad when i build my infantry teams that i never i never include a squad machine gun with tradish or i mean i put i do put bars into americans i mean but that's that's different that's easy they're, they're very different, and they're, they're right. They're point yeah. efficient because you're not losing a dude shooting, and they're only five points for an extra shot, which is essentially on par with you know the game itself. So, you, like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think they could do more I, I like with machine guns to make them make more sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that also, would be. I also think heavy machine guns are like again, it's ridiculous. They have less shots, and then yeah, that's they sucks. cost more points. Like. I mean, plus one pen is not not all all that. It'd be cool if it was the same number of shots and it was you know ten points more for a pen. That'd be cool. that would make more like, sense sure. to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The lesser the lesser shots is what really kills it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, so. yeah, you're not yeah you're not you're not picking a medium machine gun, and the heavy machine gun is worse. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Why would you ever take it? Uh, any any other rules that jump out that you might think would would be beneficial for version three i no, i don't, I don't have anything in particular i think that's yeah i'm I pretty happy with one too. yeah version two i'm i'm very happy with it i could i could play okay. this one a lot more and still be very happy okay all right Shh, don't tell warlord that yeah. well i mean <laughs> i mean I, I i think we're in line with john on that but we're not asking for a whole yeah. new game no, 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 for sure we're but not. I mean, I think we could freshen right, things yeah. up, and there are some national yeah. characteristics that could really they could do differently. So, yeah, well, and I think as podcasters and people that have to think about a lot of this stuff a little bit more, we definitely pine on version three more than most people probably do a little bit. Like, just from the idea of like, what could it be? I'd, I'd like new force composition rules personally, but 
I just I like the damn fact to be put into the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, anyways, like, or the erratas, whatever. You can wish list yeah. on, on other things. On, on- All right. So next bit here before we go into the scenario breakdown after um, after the break um, of the book scenarios, or maybe you've encountered a scenario that you think works really well. Do you have um, Do you have any thoughts on what makes a good scenario for bolt action? And then what would be something that makes a bad scenario for bolt action? Well, I mean, I think a scenario that has good balance, I mean, this is true of every game, but a scenario that when we walk up to the table and even we're going to be playing different forces, but let's just say we're playing the same force. We've got exactly the same force built. So, the things that are going to matter are going to be the scenario and then just, you know, our choices and how lucky our dice rolls are. Mm-hmm. Um, where we both have a pretty equal chance of winning on the things that are, you know, our outside control, of our control. Basically. Right. And so, you know, I hate, I hate scenarios where there's some attacker defender scenarios that are currently in the mix where the way they're written, in my opinion the game is won or lost on that dice roll to decide who's doing what. Yeah. Because they're just, they're just difficult. And, and I've seen, uh, some of these scenarios where TOs have modified them to help them. And, and those things have helped, but I mean, I just think good, good balance on the scenario. And that's sort of also kind of true of like a game board where you walk up to it and you're, you know, like if one side is all fortified walls and the other side's all open fields, well, you know, there's an obvious choice. There. That's an obvious choice, and gets yeah. the game changes on that first die roll too. Then it's less fun to play it afterwards. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's a um, it's an interesting consideration if you're designing scenarios or if you're making a board for a tournament or competitive play where you really kind of have to give thought to um, balance, right? And, I mean, I guess it all depends upon what your goal is because there's, there's certainly there's, there's campaign play and scenario play where people are just trying to recreate a particular battle and there's points and balances and things like that. But I guess we're talking more about along the lines of like a, a competitive, a competitive, you know, enterprise. And, you know, when, when you walk up, when you rock up and it's game three of a long day, and it's one of those scenarios that skews heavily towards an attacker or a defender, and it, it doubles down with a particular board layout, and you lose that first roll. That can really, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't feel great. So right. Um, and so I mean, you, it, even even if you're on the other side of that scenario and you've benefited from that roll, you still don't feel great about it, you know. And it's just like, shoot. Because neither neither player on either side of that is really there for that particular kind of encounter, and so um, you know, I guess that's always kind of something to think about. So, all right. So then, um, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here. Um, On the other side of this, we've asked um, John to um, break down one of the book scenarios for us, Um, and we're gonna really dive into kind of what a top-tier competitive player's approach to a specific 
um, scenario is going to be. And so that's going to be envelopment that we're going to talk to John about. And so um, hopefully you guys will come back for that. And um, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's 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 dive into a scenario. Envelopment. Like right? Yeah, right. that's that's what's next. Let's Just rock it. and roll. Um let's let's talk about this. Like so uh I mean the first question is is it was envelopment attacker defender? Yeah. This one, yeah, this one is an attacker. Double envelopment is the one that is not attacker defender. Right. So yep. if we have to think about it from an attacker defender to if you win the roll, John, which side do you pick? For envelopment, yeah. Attacker. Attacker. 100%? All the time? Forever? I, well, you know, everything is situational based on what I am playing and what my opponent is playing. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the asterisk on that. But the typical list that I play, the way that the scenario scores points tends to favor the typical lists I play with fast transports that could, you know, zip off and score me a whole lot of points that all of a sudden my opponent's really on the back back foot. Do sure. you also you also find that um you're you're it's 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 more difficult to pick up dice from your lists as well? Like if you're taking full full infantry squads it's going to be harder to take those dice away clearly so i think so and then yeah. you know depending on where the scores are at you can make choices of units going down to negate potential hits and take advantage of cover and just you can, you can make it really hard um to recover from getting down on points well, I mean, your opponent's down in points against you, and then you're like, yeah, try to, you know, good luck getting the rest of the points to catch back up. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so is, is that your typical typical strategy in this scenario is if you are if you can get your transport with whatever units off the table or into their deployment zone, do you then typically turtle at that point, try and be, you play your super defensive because you're obviously up several points? I would say what what I usually do is if if I'm able to get up some points 
by taking something off. I'm, I'm usually trying to take it off the board. The idea of putting it in their uh, setup zone to score two points is yep. more of a like last turn of the game maneuver. Sure. Because th- that's where they are generally, and that's usually going to get whatever <laughs> you send in there killed if you have to sit in there five turns. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's nice doing you less good on the table, potentially causing you losing points, sure. Yeah. So, you know, I guess on let, let's say the scenario is that you got two transports off with some units in them. So uh, you've got a lot of points. Yeah, you you went up, what, three, six, nine, twelve points. I will still play the game to try to, you know, kill some of their units, you know, not just turtle down and and have it be no fun for your opponent because that, that's the flip side of every game is that you got somebody across the table from you that yeah you're trying to beat them but at the same time I don't want them to walk away and go god that guy was a dick you're not trying to wreck their <laughs> hobby yeah. right yeah. yeah you don't want anyone rage quitting yeah mm-hmm. okay. makes sense okay so if if you lose the role and you're the defender yeah What's your what's your general approach going to be at that point in time? And and again, we're not even at this point getting into you know table sides or, or the rest of it. It's just clearly the attacker has to has an advantage based off for you and how your armies are built. But if you lose that, then how does that change your approach? I am going to try to cover the most obvious and easiest exit routes from the table. So. You know, some maps, <laughs> you're going to have a road that stretches from short end to short end. Or I'm sorry, short, the short end, way yeah. across, long end yeah, to long yeah. end. Yeah. And that's that's a really, you know, problematic spot. So usually there's a unit that's going to be sitting on that road so that nothing can just blow blow across. Um, yeah, you're just you're you're going you have to spread out, uh, depending on terrain. You know, as far as covering the entire board, because as the defender, you are, let's see, you're, you're on, you're fully deployed except for stuff you've put in reserve. Now, putting stuff in reserve, I'd say a couple things in reserve so you can start to plug them into spots where your opponent, if your opponent's going real heavy on one side, mm-hmm. then you can start plugging in some units while the other units are forced to maneuver. Um, but I'm generally going to have infantry on the board and then bringing in any heavy hitters. And and also, this this scenario, if it's played as written, has a preparatory bombardment. It does. And I would say most of my thoughts on prep bombardment echo your guys's and I mean Jeff in particular his thoughts on what you do and don't have on the board because I've lost too many small teams and too many you know vehicles to a preparatory bombardment strike Um, so a lot of times I'll keep those more vulnerable things off and then plug them in on the second turn, you know, it's like, I feel like you have to have your reserves on right away. Then you can't as the defender, as the defender. Yeah. yeah. 
if you're holding them until turn three, I think you've made a bad choice. Okay. All right. Yeah. What about what about when you know attacker defender? What might be things that you're looking at from the board setup um, as far as evaluating um, which side that you're going to select if you can pick a side? So if I'm if I'm picking the side, if I'm the attacker, I want to have the side that has more terrain. If the terrain is not symmetrical, if it's heavier on one side, I generally want to have that terrain on my side because one, you know, I want it for cover as I'm aggressing and moving so, across. So you'd prefer to have the cover early. Um, at the early part of the game than at the later part of the game. Okay. Yeah. And and part of that too is I've got the cover and you don't. So I'm moving, I'm shooting at you as I'm moving um, if I'm doing that versus running. But if I'm running, you know, trying to stay behind dense terrain, if there's dense terrain out there, that's that's usually more to what I'm speaking of. Okay. Like try to have the dense terrain on my side so I can take advantage of it. Um, and then if it's if I'm defending, it's I still want that terrain heavy side because I want it. I want to be in it. I want you to be in the open, and then potentially have to progress into the thicker stuff so that maybe your movement is slowing down because it's you know you're you're in the thick, the rough stuff. All right. Okay. So then, so then you you have no qualms with rocking up to a table. And setting your stuff up on one side and then picking it up and moving to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> well, guys, I mean, you, you know the thing, right, at tournaments where the advantage of getting to the table early is to <laughs> put your stuff down on the side you think you want so your opponent, you know. Lazy you, gamers are way out of it. Lazy is his way out of choosing yeah. the side that's better. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, these are the real tips. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that is, that is a real tip. I, nice. I'm not joking. I actively think of getting there early to have my stuff on the side because it's it's happened so often where guys yeah. are like, "Hey, man, oh, 100%. yeah, yeah, oh no, this is fine. <laughs> I'll take this side." I'm like, "Sweet, that's what I was hoping you'd say." <laughs> Every time I'm going to be running to tables now. Just, uh, get ahead right? of John. No, get there. No, first. actually, now every time they're going to make John. Swap out. <laughs> so we'll have to see how many people locally start listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to now start to do the reverse psychology and pick the other side. <laughs> if John's on that side, he must be the good side. All right, I'm going to take that side. Yeah. That, 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 sounds, that sounds like reasonable thinking at this point. <laughs> it's going to totally like turn it. into that scene from The Princess Bride where, wait a minute, but if you knew, I thought I knew you knew, then yeah. you would do the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got it. <laughs> The scene. And just put it in both of them. That's the easy way. Yeah. Right? Works for me. God, I love that movie. <laughs> All right. So I, I think this is, I mean, by the point that you come to the table, I'm going to ask this question anyway, but any play styles that might take advantage of in, in scenarios, like, uh, I guess I don't understand this question, Dale. So uh, for this particular scenario, envelopment, um, we briefly discussed different kinds of play styles that, that, um, that people might have, whether it's a, um, an infantry heavy horde or an all comers list or a defensive style list or something like that. Are there any, any kinds of play styles or lists, list build styles that would benefit 
um, uh, in this particular kind of scenario? I think that lists that don't give up points easily, so uh, veteran lists are going to okay. benefit for being the aggressors for certain. Sure. Um, I think that... I mean, this this is the sort of scenario that if I was playing, I would dread facing off against Japanese because they're good as the attacker. They're great as the defender. You can just string them out and cover the entire board if it came to it. Um, you know, it was a big net to catch it from going off the board. Yeah. Um, that you're going to have to fight through. Yeah. And you're going to have to fight through it and... Um, yeah, that can, <laughs> you know, that's, that is one thing that is early in my bolt action playing career, I was hesitant to send troops into assaults because I know you guys have been there, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah I got this. Even if I roll bad, I got this. I'm going to win this fight. And then you're <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me. I rolled that many ones and I lost this fight to two guys. Eight, like yeah. eight veterans just died. What the? Yeah, it's such a high it's like high risk maneuver, but it right, you play the odds. You're it's doing great. the dice in your head and you're like, Yep, I got it. And yeah. you're like, Oh shit, that didn't work. I've yeah, I don't know how many times that's happened to me. I know. It's like, so it goes with my double warfers. So knowing that if you're facing off against Japanese, you're gonna have to fight your way through them, that gets that gets a little scary. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Alright, so then um, the the special rules that are in play for for this scenario, preparatory environment, we've already discussed a little bit. Um, as the defender, you already said that, well, you're going to keep your small teams off, maybe your vehicles. Um, would you, would, do you try to, do you try to balance that? Cause you can have up to your ha- up to half of your army deployed. Um, before that, would you short that even if you were running a bunch of small teams or, or again, is it just a matter of, you know, what's your approach as far as prep bombardment comes with development as a defender? Well, most of my lists have at least half the teams are infantry that can take take on a prep Depends. bombardment. You the know, I, I assume when scenarios with prep bombardment that if it's, you know, if you're taking it, then you're spending the first turn. If you have one pin, you know, maybe you're going to order die through that and if you have two pins and nothing better to do you're definitely going to rally that's just it's just a wasted wasted turn essentially Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's 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 kind of the the challenges with the prep environment okay now hidden setup is allowed do you find yourself using that i don't and i I probably should more often, but hidden setup seems to be one of those rules that no one seems to know how it exactly works. You know, <laughs> they're like, how much cover I get? Like, is it double the cover save or is it just, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm saying this right now and I think I'm like, wait a minute, what is, what is it actually? It's not double. Isn't it like an additional no, it's, two it's points of penalty? Two, if I'm yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. Correct. I think it makes it minus two more, but that's just it. Like, so on one hand, 
no one can remember the rules. And on the second hand, no one has any markers to actually indicate which units are hidden. So, right. like, it's just too, it's too much extra work. Okay. <laughs> for, for the little effort that maybe you get, right? Because the first thing, the first turn anyway, the sniper is going to still shoot whatever it wants to shoot anyway, because it doesn't care about hidden. So, that's right. Uh, you know, yeah. like, lots of things don't care. So, yeah, I, I've, I've often said my entire army is hidden at the beginning of the turn or the game. And, I, and then I forget to use it anyway, so it doesn't matter. So it doesn't really change anything. Uh, hidden is just its own thing. Yeah. Nobody yeah. uses it. You're okay. I, I mean, if you're playing a Japanese army, you might, depending on, you know, because you can also set up an ambush. But Yeah. It's, yeah I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I think it is one of those rules that it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You can do that. And it seems really useful. But for some reason, we, we just never remember and we don't use it. And I don't know. I feel like that's going to be something that's probably going to come up and be really useful at some point. We're going to miss it. All right. It's maybe we should get that into our WTC prep. Like we should all get hidden develop hidden setup tattooed on our forearms and then we'll use it more. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to, well, I mean, let's, let, let's not, let's not get on that hype train just yet. We'll have to work through all that. So, okay. So. All right. All right. Lots to come on that. I'm sure. All right then. So then we have, we've talked a little bit about attacker defender and the differences and, and any kind of a basic um, approach. And you've kind of already gone into it as a defender. You're looking to do this and, um, and the rest of it. So then um, anything, any special considerations as far as the deployment phase, because you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that it's possible to lose, to lose the game in the deployment phase. And we've talked a little bit about that on the, on the normal, the normal regularly scheduled stuff with this, with this particular scenario in mind, do you feel like there's anything that's especially important uh, that's worth pointing out from an attacker or a defender perspective that you might, well, so for an example, if you have a transport and there's a road that covers the short, you know, the short track across the way and they didn't guard it, you might want to deploy guys in a truck on the road. So that seems obvious. Is there anything else that you can think of that that might help us out in playing this better? I think that when you're defending and you're forced to put units down, you should take some consideration for the mobility of any given unit. And so if it's infantry, you should shy away from putting it too close to the far edges of your long deployment because it can't recover very well. So I would tend to put infantry down, you know, a lot of people have four units of infantry at their disposal Mm -hmm. in their lists. And so I would tend to say if you, if you were to divide the board, your edge into thirds to have, Two of the units in that middle third, one on either side of it, and then okay. two of the units in those farther thirds, but closer to the edge with the middle third, so that you can start to go left, right, forward, and and just have less distance to cover, depending on then where you're seeing your your opponent come come in when they're coming in on first wave and. You know, for the flip side of the attacker, you know, you're, you're reading well, what has my opponent decided to do, and if you see a weaker spot and you want to start um, 
exploiting it. Some of it depends on just what happens on the first two turns of the game with like a lucky high explosive, you know, a, a mortar comes in and does some damage or puts a bunch of pins out and then you're like, ah, that's that's where we're going. We're going to go space. exploit that. Um, or yeah, a unit that's not supported that you're like, yeah, I can, well, I'm going to double team them so that's the way I'm going over there, you know, so... Yeah, some of it is just seeing, like with most scenarios, for me, with most scenarios, the first turn or two dictates what I'm, you know, what I'm doing the rest of the game. Because, as as commonly said, you know, of the best play, what is it, the best laid plans don't, you know, get past yeah. first yeah, fire contact or whatever. Yeah, don't survive contact with you. Yeah. I mean, Everyone's that's got a plan to like, get punched in the face. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all fun and games until someone gets hit in the face. Yeah. Yes, right. So you know, you see what happens in the first two turns, and then you start to, while your opponent is is doing their thing with their infantry, I'm usually thinking about, all right, well, when I get next dice, yeah, what's my plan with that next unit, and where, what's the plan now compared to what it used to be, and that's. Mm-hmm. Then, like mid-game, sometimes it's like, all right, what, recheck. What is the scenario objectives? Like, you get into the game, you're like, all right, you know, we're shooting each other, we're killing stuff. This is fun. What what are we doing here again? Oh, that's right. I'm getting guys across the board, off the board, into your deployment zone, or you know, different scenarios with taking objectives, or you know, it's like revisit. What are we doing here? Yeah. Makes sense. Like I, that's what I like. I was wondering. My opponents usually are looking at me when I pick the scenario sheet back up on turn four. I'm looking <laughs> at it again. It's because I'm rereading what. What are we doing here? That's what we're doing here. Okay, just had to double check. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, so the so the early game effectively as as the attacker and, and probably even the defender, but in this particular scenario as the attacker, you in deployment coming into the early mid phase or early game phase, you you might actually also maybe go centrally so that you can react depending upon if an opening actually occurs. Yes. Okay. Yep. Definitely. And then I suppose I suppose as you as you're transitioning into the mid game, I mean you kinda have to commit to one plan or well, you have to commit to a plan because then your resources are starting to get shorter in time as well. So mm-hmm. I've I've seen in playing this scenario too, you can bluff a little bit too. You can start to you can bring on the units that you didn't have full intention on actually trying to take across the board, and you can go heavy on one side to get your... your that, that medium howitzer, it's not going to get uh, across. No, no, it's funny that, that howitzer's not getting across, but and, and that might not be your best bluff piece, but sure, maybe sure. more the infantry that's going to support that howitzer from something in their list that might try to come across and kill it. Um. But yeah, you start to put stuff heavy on one side, and then they're like, "Oh, this is where we're gonna be." And then you're like, "Nope, fast stuff is on the other side." <laughs> so, it can, I mean, it can go, it can go both ways. All right? I, do you try to be flexible enough that that you're avoiding, like, okay, by the bottom of turn four, I'm looking to be up four points or five points, or is it more just reading the individuals' situations as they come up and and reading? the board and the dice and the pins and everything that's happening. I don't think I 
put a lot of consideration into like a certain part time of the game mm-hmm. being up by a certain amount because okay. I think you I think I'd be disappointed with that most of the time because whatever's happening is happening and you know you you guys you know those games where you're like I'm killing stuff but I'm getting no dice I'm just I'm just not <laughs> yeah. getting any dice right um, or you get lucky and you get a bunch of dice and then yeah and then that changes your game plan some because you know you know you're up but right. I think it is just some some of it every game is always let's just play the game a little bit let's let's throw some dice see what dies and then that starts to dictate what do we do mid game and end game okay all right smart yeah cool oh man i'm exhausted my brain is my brain is fried john like <laughs> i think it's the, i could keep going rick it's the adrenaline I, I of talking know. to you guys i know i know i and actually i'd, pre, I'd appreciate talking i'm like obviously when we started the wtc thing we were talking all the time and i thought that was like a great start obviously like as i think you were wrapping up stuff so you were just trying to start catching on to it when when of course all of the stuff fell apart but you know i'm i'm excited to get to do it again like hopefully we'll start doing it come winter i think that was our plan soon like yeah i mean yeah we'll have to we'll have to see how everything um sorts itself out in yeah. that regard um, but, you know, I mean, part of this exercise, the eight, for those folks that are still listening, thanks, but the, the eight <laughs> scenarios that, that we're going to do in this series um, are the eight scenarios that are available for play at the WTC. And so, um, you know, and, and you know, I mean, you'd have to talk to the, the organizers to, to learn why they picked these specific ones. But it feels like um, as as the WTC, they might be one of the, premier events in the bolt action community and so these scenarios may be in play and so probably more useful for for the folks that might be in listening or, or more interested in, in trying to learn or find out about you know these players that are that are at the top of of the game what what are they thinking what is their approach mm-hmm. and so um and sometimes breaking down the scenarios i mean even john like he said will pick up the scenario sheet in turn three and turn four and Oh yeah, that's right. That's what we're. That's what I'm trying to accomplish in this particular mission. And so, I mean, I've referred to it as maintenance of aim. What's really, <laughs> you know, what's really the goal here? And so, yep. and sometimes just sitting here and, and thinking about a scenario is like, oh yeah, I guess that seems common sense. But we forget so much. Like, yeah. no one uses hidden or ambush is hardly ever used. There might be an episode we have to do on ambush at some point. Hmm. But. Um, but no, um, John. Thank you so much for for taking the time and and talking to us. We really appreciate it. It was it was actually really helpful, and and yes. hopefully hopefully the guys and and gals that are listening will appreciate your time. Oh yeah, well you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I had a had a great time chatting with you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, John. Everyone have a good evening. Everyone say goodbye. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. Again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling.
Dark clouds far away. 